Welcome everyone to another episode of Aaron's Trestle Bowl here in Black River, New York. All right, welcome to another episode of Hiram's Trestle Board, being uh, episode six. Today, we have a good friend of mine and a past master, the worshipful Dave Riggins. How's it going, Dave? Oh, it's going really well. It's great to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I hear you're a man who walks on the level with everyone. You know, I try my best. Well, we welcome you to Hiram's Trestle Board. Uh, like everyone else, we'll ask you a few questions, see what your, you know, your thoughts and opinions, discuss a few topics and kind of have a little fun with it. Oh, awesome. See, so you're a past master of Bethany Lodge A21, correct? Yeah, I was a uh, master of the lodge for two years. Uh, that's a long time. <laughs> now, was it consecutive or was it a split? No, it was consecutive years. Towards the middle of my first year, I was asked if I'd be willing to go on a second year. I really enjoyed it, so I was looking forward to doing a second year, and we had two great years. So let's see, how long have you been a Master Mason? Really not very long. I became a Mason in uh, 2013 at Shimo Lodge, and then in 2015, I became a member of Bethany Lodge. Okay, was that uh, difficult to do? Oh, no, no, it was actually really easy. And the way it ended up happening, as you know, I was in the military and retired military police. Brother from Bethany Lodge, he and I had crossed paths and he invited me to join him at his lodge where he was the worshipful master at the time. So after a visit in the lodge a few times, I really felt extremely comfortable with brothers there and they welcomed me with open arms and it all clicked and I just kind of found a home and I knew that was the lodge it needed to be a part of. No, and it wasn't difficult to jump from lodge to lodge. I mean, you, you kind of felt right in. Yeah. As far as transfer in the lodge, the process is very easy. All you have to do is petition for dual membership and then the brothers will vote on you and bring you into the lodge. And like I said, I just clicked with the Brothers of the Lodge, and here I am, 2021. I'm still with them. So in the last few months, I had uh, Worshipful Master Rob Mullins as a co-host and a guest. I also had Brother Cordero on. We had a few discussions of some topics that have been brought up in the past by other brothers within the lodges. If the fraternity could make bad men good and good men better. So... I got an interesting response by a few of them, and I was wondering, what's your opinion on making bad men good and good men better? Well, I guess we'll start with the easier part of the answer, the good man better. The beautiful thing about masonry is when you're looking at a good man, and a good man stands in front of you and becomes a mason. What we're trying to do is give them the tools to help them to reflect within themselves, to identify their own weaknesses, and to become a better person, not only for themselves, but for their families and for the community. As far as converting a bad man, I worked law enforcement for 26 years, and you can't convert a bad man because, well, they're, they're a bad person. And when I mean a, a bad person, I mean a weak person, weak of mind. You can't help somebody that's not willing to help themselves. You can't change someone that's not willing to change. If you had someone that's made some 
bad mistakes in their life and they're not willing to change, you can't change them. But if you have someone that's made mistakes, but they're trying to change, and if they get surrounded by good people and good influences, then we could help them to develop those tools to become a stronger citizen. But as far as changing a bad man, well, it's in the name. They're they're not good people. They don't have good intentions. And it's usually selfish in what they do. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, one of the things that I told the brothers, um, the fourth episode was um, that when, a, when an individual is considered a bad man, it's because they've broken that trust and those set of rules that we've pretty much governed ourselves by. And if a bad person is good, like if that individual has been turned good at one point, then he is no longer a bad person. But when they're considered bad men, the name, like you said, the name that says pretty much says it. So no, I, I can I can see where you're coming from. You know, that's a, that's a that's a really good point. The biggest thing is to become a mason. You have to have faith. You have to understand that you're not the biggest, the most important thing in the world. And if you're a person without faith and you're a self-centered individual who every action they take or every thought they have is for their benefit, you can't help those people because it is all about them. And in being a Mason, it's not about me. It's about, and it should never be about me. It should be what I could do to better my family, to better my community. And that's what it should be all about. And if it's, that's not what you're about, the masonry is probably not the right fit for you. Right. It's not what you can do for yourself, but what you can bring to the table for everyone else. Yeah. And I'm not saying that some of those people don't slip through because Lord knows they do. But you could kind of identify them because they're the ones that they always seem to have an agenda and that agenda is about them. Right. And they're in every organization and there's not a heck of a lot you can do about that. But for the good man that's there for the right reasons, those are the men who masonry could help the most. And I think that makes the community better. Wow, that's pretty good. You know, that's a good analogy. That's a good breakdown. So here's another question. It deals with, you know, within the lodge. Um, yep. And not just one specific lodge, but all lodges. So in the past, I normally ask my guests questions and they answer with their opinions. In your case, I'm going to go a little different. Okay. We hear about education and how important it is within the lodge. We also hear a lot of brothers say you get out of masonry what you put in. So can you explain what that means in your words as a brother or as a past master? I've honestly given that a lot of thought because that's been said to me since I was petitioning become an entered apprentice. Being a Mason is a lot more than going to a meeting, a business meeting and finding out what our next uh, fundraiser is going to be. You have to be willing to put the time in to do the research, to make those friendships within Masonry because there's certain there are certain things that, to me, masonry is all about. One is the friendships that we make, 
And God blessed me with meeting some incredible people that I enjoy just uh, having the opportunity to talk to and spend time with. The other thing is learning about masonry. You always hear about the secrets of masonry. Well, there are great secrets out there. They're not secrets because any anybody hid them from us where you know, you, you're not allowed to know about it. But they're hidden through time and just... And the only way to find those secrets is to do the research into them, to open those books, to have discussions with the older Masons. The question of, of uh, how important education is within Masonry is it's extremely important. No one wants to leave their house every night to go to a meeting just so they could discuss business and go home. We all have a desire to learn. Now the question is how much effort are you willing to put in to learn the different things about masonry. Some people may say there are no real secrets in masonry, but there are. It's not that someone hid it from you. It's just lost in time or it's buried in, in uh, between two covers. And the question is whether or not you're willing to search it out. Right. So, And there's also, uh, are you willing to talk to the older masons and talk to them about masonry and what it was like when they were coming up. And then you learn so much. There was a, a brother, Bert Lundeman, who I became good friends with and I loved talking to him. He recently passed away a few years ago, but he and I used to talk about military history and where it pertains to masonry. And I've been stationed here at Fort Drum. I was here for um, 13 years and then I retired and it wasn't until my 15th year that I was talking to Bert and I found out that during World War II they would bring German soldiers here from Europe that were being captured and they were kept here on Fort Trump. Now despite the fact that just months prior you had German soldiers and American soldiers trying to kill each other when they were brought here because of masonry, it wasn't Germans and Americans. It was about being brothers. So the commandant of the MP Corps that was responsible for their security, being a brother Mason, found out that he had Masons within the German population. So what he did was had uh, some of the military police that were uh, Masons, he would have them provide security over them while they were uh, and allow them to have Masonic communication. And that's where Masonry superseded everything else that was going on. It was more important about brotherhood. And that's the key of Masonry. And I've met people that never went any further than becoming a Master Mason. And then I've met other people that are 32nd degree Masons. And you could be a 32nd degree Mason and not have very much more knowledge than what you were when you were just a third degree Mason. The question is, are you willing to seek out the knowledge and truly listen to the lessons as you go through that path? And that's where, uh, how far Masonry can take you. And the knowledge is extremely vast. You just got to be willing to look for it. Look for it and actually learn it.
the meaning behind it as well. Just not finding something and saying, oh, I found this, and but yeah. I don't know what it means, but it looks cool. So, I'll... Yeah, exactly. And um, part of the fun of masonry is discovering new things and then talking to other brothers about it and then spurring more desire to find more things. Right. I was skimming through some books and articles recently, a Masonic culture handbook. And it was a reading by brother Williams, a carpenter, and it's called five Masonic thoughts with a chapter titled our basic function. And it says the fruits of our efforts to teach and to learn about Freemasonry, the interest that we show the candidates as we welcome them into the new world of Freemasonry will be evident in the years to come. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I'm not really sure where to go with that. The, I, I guess that gets back to being able to see where we are now as to where we were. It kind of sounds like they're talking about just being able to look back. Yeah, because to me, like the fruits of our efforts to teach and to learn about Freemasonry, that tells me if our most knowledgeable brothers have the knowledge to pass on to the younger brothers, that will show as the years progress because everybody will have the same knowledge. But if individuals hold back that knowledge because they want to feel they're the key interest or the focal point of that lodge, then that will eventually show in a lodge because the younger brothers will not have the knowledge that they need to continue those traditions and to pass, you know, that knowledge on. Yes. A lot of stuff can be looked up in, in books and research, but there are some things like you just said with brother Bert Lunderman, he passed on a piece of history to you that you didn't know. And now you just pass it on to everyone listening to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it is a problem because you do have a number of older Masons that they just won't share the information that they've acquired over the years unless you ask them. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. They won't tell if you don't ask. And if you don't ask, they're not going to tell. So if you don't show an interest, they, they're not interested. But I think it's important that we share the information. And that it kind of goes round robin back to what we were talking about, the importance of Masonic education. Because there's uh, quite a few of us that will raise our hand to do research and then to present the paper to the other brothers. And then you have quite a few that don't. And I don't know why they don't. Maybe they're shy or maybe, I, I, I don't know. I, I really can't figure out why they wouldn't want to do it because I think it's exciting to be able to do it. But you're absolutely right. If, you, if the older brothers aren't willing to pass on things to the younger brothers or to make sure that things are being done with the tradition that it's intended to be done in, the next thing you know, it becomes a grotesque form of itself. And that's really not what masonry is about. Because you can't sit there and be angry that the other kid's doing it wrong if you never told them what was right. Right. I completely agree with you, 
you know, it is a double-edged sword because if you look at it, when you first become a Mason, everyone tells you to be one, ask one, right? Yeah. And that's to be said the same about education. If you want information, you need to ask about the information. The, the you know, that side of the court is understandable. A lot of the older brothers, they want to be asked. They don't just want to be giving information out just because, because some people don't want to hear everything. But yeah. that's not to say that some of those brothers that do have the knowledge can't step up and let education teach. And it takes away from them having to be asked. But if you want a one-on-one, then you need to ask and not assume. Yeah. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And the other problem is you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know it, it's kind of hard to ask about it. If you know, if you didn't even right. know, you didn't know it because you didn't know it existed. So right. that, gets back, <laughs> that gets back to uh, taking the time to just have a conversation. A lot of younger people, I don't know why, young adults today, I, I guess they've been, some of them have been told so often that you're the smartest generation that, that's ever been there. So they take it for granted. They know it, and you couldn't possibly know it because you're old. And old people don't know anything because they've, <laughs> but with that, the older generation is such a wealth of knowledge. And the only, <laughs> trying to think of how to word this, the only way you could truly gain knowledge is through experience. And as a younger person, when I was young, I thought I knew it. I had no idea. I didn't even know the question, never mind the answer. And it wasn't until experience, life experience came along that I, I started realizing how uh, how ignorant I was to the world when I was younger. <laughs> and it, now I, I think I got a little bit of a grasp, but God, there's still a lot for me to learn. And I love talking to the older brothers because the Lord knows they got a lot of great ideas. And sometimes oh, yeah. they're just waiting for someone to ask them about it. And yeah, you're right. Is, I'm not shy. So in this next sentence, we look at obligations and how far Mason will go to live up to those obligations. The same book, it says, while it may be accepted that it is an innermost desire, followed by obligations that make one a member of the craft, yet in the truer form and better sense, a man is never a Freemason until he truthfully and loyally lives up to his obligation. And he cannot do that until he understands them and eventually knows their scoop and real meaning. Uh, when I read that, I thought to myself, wow, this could never be any truer than the words spoken here. Sometimes people assume that their journey ends with a third degree. They feel that upon receiving the third degree, they, don't, they no longer have to continue to search anymore. But the truth is that we are always working to perfect our lives. Hence, you know, trying to get that perfect ice law, but rather it continues forward once we've completed that third degree and we lay down our tools for the final time. So what's your opinion on that? 
it's an extremely true statement about um, you have to saying the obligation is a lot different from listening to the obligation and understanding it. And then once you understand what it's saying, then the next big question is, can you live up to it? And then with that is, do you have the mental strength to live up with it? And that part is extremely hard. There's a big difference between saying the obligation and hearing the obligation and learning the obligation. Once you've learned it, the next step is to try to emulate the obligation. And that's where it becomes really hard because the first thing we have to do that is extremely difficult for most people is to really look at yourself and give yourself an honest assessment of your strengths and your weaknesses as a person. And then once you could do those things, then you could truly take that obligation and do the best you can to try to walk in it. Now, I personally, to include myself, don't know anybody that could walk in the steps of the obligation, but I know there's a lot of us that try really hard. And then when we do mess up, think back to the obligation and try to correct ourselves to not continuously repeat yeah, I, I don't think anybody could ever actually truly live up to the obligation. The best we could do is strive to be able to do it. And just striving to be able to do it all on its own, it's going to help you to become a better person and a better brother. Well, I love history and poems, as you know. I was looking for one that I thought was nice and wanted to get your opinion on it. It was by a brother by the name of Walter H. Boone of uh, Victor, Iowa, and it's titled, What is Masonry? And it goes like this. It's not a sign or handshake, a hall where tylers sit. It's not a guarded building where passwords will emit. It's not a place of symbols which wardens off display. It's not a lodge of members who meet in wide array. It is the home of justice, of liberty and truth, of loyalty to country, of sympathy for youth, of succor for a brother, of gentleness and cheer, of tolerance for neighbors whose life is often drear. Tell me, uh, what do you think of that poem? Actually, that sums up the most important parts of being a Mason. And it gets to the part about caring about your community, caring about your country, caring about your faith, caring about your community, and caring about your family. And it, you have to have, to be a good Mason, you have to have compassion. No, does that mean that you have to be bold to everything that goes on around you? By no means, no. But what it does mean is that we have to have the compassion to try to help others. And you have to believe in charity to do that. Yeah, I, I agree 100%, especially within the poem where it says, you know, it's not about signs or handshakes, not about passwords, and it's not about guarded building, but rather it's loyalty to country, to justice, to liberty and truth. And sometimes, we focus on bettering ourselves and by bettering ourselves, 
we not all of us but some of us think bettering ourselves means focusing on ourselves and trying to get that perfect ashlar but having a perfect ashlar doesn't mean it's just about you it's about what you can do around you for the people that are around you uh, one of the few things that i learned coming into masonry was that you got to be able to take care of your principles your family your duty and then once everything is done and you've got that time for yourself then whatever you want to put into masonry is what goes into masonry but if you put masonry first and you abandon everything else then what are you doing it for yeah uh i definitely agree with that sadly enough i've met some brothers that their whole focus on becoming a mason was trying to network because they've heard the stories about the networking and meeting all these people and you meet people with very strong business ties or brothers who became masons in the military because they knew this our major was a mason which that that is not the right reason to become one is it a byproduct of being a mason yes but there's no way it should be the focus of becoming a mason and i i think it's important that you you have to understand that it's not about you as an individual and it, it it's about the brothers around you and that's why i got drawn to masonry because so many of the people that i admired coming up through my military career one thing they all had in common was they were all masons so when i was getting towards the end of my career and getting ready to get out that's what drew me towards them because i wanted to continue to have men like that in my life and surrounding me to so that i could call him a friend and a brother and that's what right. drew me in to me what drew me in was and i'll be honest with you was you contacted me back that told me uh, you was the one who sponsored me and brought me into uh, masonry. And when you reach out and you focus on others, you know, that's what brings in more brothers because they see it and they want to be part of it. That's why I called you when your name was assigned to me because I was fortunate enough when I decided I wanted to become a mason people took the time to take take an interest in me and i'm a firm believer that if it wasn't for other people helping me i wouldn't be where i am so it, it's my obligation to try to help others and uh, heck that stupid little 20 minute phone call you and i had first time we spoke i had no idea it was going to lead to a lifelong friend and brother so same here I'm, I'm as glad as i made that phone call as you are well, as, as we get as we get ready to, to, to wrap things up here, um, any final thoughts? A anything you want to let you know our listeners? Anything specific or for those brothers who are out there that are already master masons, you know, congratulations and that's awesome. But please don't let that be your last step and don't stop searching for knowledge because that is what being a mason is about. That search, that journey. Uh, they call us traveling men for a reason, and it's not because we walk a lot. It's because we're part of something extremely special that transcends time and transcends borders. And right. It's just up there for us to look for it. Well, when we look deep within ourselves, what we see is what we have to live with. 
So before we leave you tonight, I wanted to pull one more sentence from this reading that I brought up. And it says, the best informed master mason is the master mason who reads and studies. And I said this because sometimes we want to take the easy road. We go as far as asking and with hope of just receiving all the answers to our questions and not lifting a finger to do anything. But how we retain what we learn when we never really put any work into finding, researching, and fortitude into even trying to find the answers. You know, and, and that's just that's just for everybody to kind of kind of think about. Once again, I'd like to say thank you to Worshipful Dave Riggins for joining us today. It's my pleasure. I'm glad that you uh, were able to join me tonight, even though uh, we may have had uh, some technical issues through the, through the podcast, but we'll, we'll iron those out, no problem. We're old. Technology is scary. <laughs> yes, it is. I look forward to having you on in the future, if that's okay with you. Yeah, it'd be awesome. And awesome. hopefully um, we'll be able to do it face-to-face. Yes, yes, that's that's our goal. For, for those listeners, that's our goal is to have a... Uh, have something set up to actually do a face-to-face and even extend it out to YouTube if possible, you know, an actual shot of, of these conversations taking, taking place, but we'll, we're baby steps, you know, baby steps. Do you have any closing remarks? Uh, just thank you. I had a great time. It's fun conversation and, uh, hard questions, man. <laughs> yeah. And they're getting harder. <laughs> yeah. You definitely have to think about those answers because there's an easy answer and there's a hard answer. I hope I was able to articulate a good answer. At least that's what I was trying to do. Whether or not that happened, I guess that's up to you to decide. It felt good coming from me, but we'll see. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Hiram's Trussell I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. I'm looking forward to future episodes. Another thank you and shout out to worshipful Dave Riggins for giving us the opportunity to have a few discussions. And keep in mind, folks, everything mentioned here are the opinions of brothers and its host. Nothing has been sanctioned by the Grand Lodge or directed by anybody whatsoever. Again, thank you for joining us. And may the great architect shine his bright light and may you continue to build onto that perfect ash line. Good night.